Where is InsureTech headed next? This is where indie agents own the answer. Welcome to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Vertifor Insurance Podcast. Guys, dudes, ladies, I am so excited for you to meet a very special guest we have in the studio today. But before you do, real quick, let me give some context. Over, if you have been in the insurance industry over the past 10, 20, 30 years, you've seen different leaders come in and out of Vertifor with different visions and leading different charges. I'm gonna tell you right now, there is a new age for Vertifor coming uh, in the next few years, and it has already really started. As you know, uh, Vertifor was acquired by Roper Technologies just a few years ago, and I, th I think that ushered in a new generation and with it, new leadership. So this person that we have on today is our new Chief Revenue Officer, uh, bringing a lot of personality, um, a lot of vision. He has over 25 years of experience in the technology space. He has just over a decade of sales leadership experience in roles at Salesforce and companies like C3AI. Yes, that stands for artificial intelligence. It's that cool. Although he says he stopped being cool a few years ago when he had kids, but we don't know if we believe him. Um, and uh, he's also an avid biker uh, who has a history in track soccer and lacrosse and even dabbled in min minimalist running. So with that, oh wow, Gareth, so thank you. Welcome. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Uh, I'm pumped. Excited about talking about the industry. I'm excited about everything we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and that was a really kind introduction. So well, thank you. I meant every word. I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. So there you go. I will I will correct you on one thing. Okay, let's hear which it. Which is I still like to think I'm cool. It's just I'm constantly <laughs> okay. reminded by my children that I'm anything but. So, okay. Well, 12, 12, 9, and 6, right? Yeah, 12, 9, and 12, 6. 12, 9, yep. and 6. Those are tough ages to, to you know. We've a... got a little bit of, we just got through our first year of middle school. Okay. I seem to have forgotten how brutal middle school was. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's one thing. Uh, but we also have the, the youngest just, uh, finished kindergarten. Oh, wow. So we're out of that part of the, or that phase of life. Yep. And then, uh, we've got the lucky one girl in the middle mm -hmm. and you're not allowed to say who's your favorite. So. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah. And a 12 year old about to hit teenage years. Teenage. That's which right. Is we got be... about half a year away. Oof. I know. Oof. Are I know. you ready? No. Okay, that's no, fair. No, no, no. Is anyone yeah. though? I no, mean, I don't think they are. At the same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. No, right. it's been it's been great uh, being a parent. Yeah. Like I think that's one thing that I look at as one of the joys of my life, right? Uh, and it's you know something that I think about like with leadership as well, mm -hmm. which is a certain element of selflessness mm -hmm. around wanting to see other people succeed mm -hmm. in a way where it's like the true like it's not about me winning mm -hmm. it's about mm -hmm. seeing these people develop and achieve things they never thought possible like that's the stuff that gets me excited Agreed. so Agreed. i don't think it's like 
just kids. It can be leadership. It can be management. It can be any part of the career or just uh, around any of the activities that people are involved in, whether or not that's like after work events and societies and so forth. So, yeah. Okay. So, so hold on though, because you didn't, you didn't come up with this. uh, What would we call this? Like a uh, your sort of perspective on leadership overnight, yeah. right? This is right. something that's developed over time. I'm yeah. sure through a lot of tough experiences and great experiences watching yeah. other leaders. Take me back. Take me back to like pre, pre-insurance, Gareth, when you first yeah. started taking your professional career really seriously. Like where did that start? I think a lot of people would you know, look at you now and be like, man, he made it. He's so successful. Like, how did you get here? Right. It's a big well, question. Wow. Okay. So I've, I've been blessed with a lot of really incredible role models and leaders. And one of these leaders, uh, was the CEO of a company called ITW. And, uh, one day he came to me and said, Hey, Hey Gareth, what's your, what's your story? What's your three chapters? Mm. And I had to think about it for a bit. It wasn't like, oh, I, I know it. Like it's just, it just rolls off the tongue. Uh, but as I thought about it over the next 24 hours, it came pretty crystal clear about like where I came from and what I stand for. And so my first mm. chapter that I always talk about is was self, mm. right? It's not a very glamorous chapter. Let's be realistic. Like for the first part of your life, you're really investing in becoming a functional member of society, mm-hmm. somebody that, you know, finds their own way, finds their own personality and identity, but also what's your, you know, how are you going to impact society and so forth, right? But a lot of what I did at least for the first part of my life was school and trying to figure out what my career would look like and everything else. And I was really dedicated, right? Mm. Um, and so I imagine, I, I remember graduating college and it was like focus. I was a COO of a startup mm. and I was traveling 100%. Like it was every week I was on an airplane, right? Mm. So I actually moved to Boulder, Colorado uh, just to say, hey, where do I want a vacation on the weekends? was kind of like... The, the logic behind it. And honestly, it was pretty much, I was pretty wrapped up in Gareth. You know what I mean? Like just everything. So yeah. it, it was a great time of life, but it was also like, I think about uh, Gareth of today, mm-hmm. like hanging out with Gareth, of, <laughs> you know, 25 years ago or whatever. I'm like, oh, <laughs> we don't know I don't know if I would be friends with that guy. <laughs> Only because he's a little self-absorbed, right? (laughs) And so that was, uh, that chapter was kind of self, self, self. And then something incredible happened, which Mm. was my next chapter, Mm. right? And that was cancer, right? And so my cancer chapter started when I was diagnosed with skin cancer here in Colorado. And I was, what was I? I was 23 at the time. So pretty young. Mm -hmm. Right. And then all of a sudden overnight, I have to grapple with Mm. like mortality, Mm. the concept that we only get a couple of trips around the sun. Uh, You know, if we're lucky, it's like 80 to 90. Yeah. Right. Most of us don't get that, though. Yeah. And so 
I started thinking through, like, if this all ends mm-hmm. tomorrow, you know, what, what am I going to be remembered for? Mm. And what impact will I have made? And what are the regrets I'm going to have or would have? And what are the joys that I would love, right? Mm-hmm. And so it really forced me to start thinking about, like, what does that impact look like? And I started thinking, well, they, they don't have to be, like, huge. It doesn't have to be big, right? Mm-hmm. It just has to be meaningful. Mm-hmm. And so that was really important. It was like a couple months later, I ended up meeting the person who would become my spouse, right? Wow. And we joke about it, but I'm dead serious. Like, had we mm. met four months prior, mm. there's no way. We mm. just were, both of us, not in the right spot. It, like, mm. it never would have happened. Yeah. Right? So, so, so. so she came into your life when you were going through. Yeah, when I was going through it. So that's something I know. And for me, it wasn't just, I, I'd love to think that I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm confident and so forth and I'm not vain. The reality is, is like, I, I hacked like it was all over my face. And so I had a lot of surgery on my face. And so I'm going through this, you know, just very vulnerable time of like, yeah. not only, Hey, this is scary, but now I look totally different and you know, we'll, you know, doubting, will I ever meet anybody? Mm-hmm. You know, having all of these very real human emotions around feeling different mm-hmm. than what I thought life was going to be, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we got together. Uh, it's an incredible time. She actually uh, was getting her master's in social work at the time. Mm. So I was like, what a special yeah. person, by the way. Yeah. Can I just say, like, to say uh, this is what I'm going to do with my life is get my master's in social work and go work for a nonprofit. That is close yeah. to her. Amazing. Amazing. And she did amazing things, too. So she, like, yeah. worked here to pass laws in Colorado mm-hmm. for driver's license laws for undocumented uh, immigrants. Oh, wow. And she worked for, uh, like, advocacy groups like rights for all people and and so forth so Mm -hmm. i mean spectacular human and i joke but it's kind of true right is that uh you know she builds the karma for the family and i'm in sales so (laughs) how that works there you go there you go as long as as long as you make it work (laughs) someone it evens out in the grand scheme of things it evens out um so we went, I went and got my MBA in marketing after that. We were mm-hmm. kind of going through life. Uh, you know, we went through, I'd, I'd been through the dot-com burst and, and then uh, we went through the Great Recession, ended up finding ourselves in Australia and we got a phone call and it was from my mother. Mm-hmm. She was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer and mm-hmm. we were like, can't be three days away from bad news again Mm -hmm. so we dropped Mm -hmm. everything dropped Mm -hmm. absolutely everything moved back to the states to be with her in her final days Mm -hmm. uh and it was very intense i mean it was the point where uh we finally got pregnant it was really hard for us to get pregnant uh my mother ended up passing a week before my firstborn and I knew she really wanted to meet our firstborn and there's something about that that just was like so heart-wrenching but it was 
absolutely kind of call it compounded by the fact that our firstborn was born uh, not breathing for the first four and a half minutes of his life. And so I am sitting here looking at, you know, eight people huddled around this little gurney trying to resuscitate this lifeless body. And I look up at the, you know, the ceiling and I'm like, this will break me. Mm -hmm. Like I can't handle any more loss, any more like I just, this, I can't do it. And I looked up and I was just like, mom, uh, you know what? It's, you've had your chance to hold him now. We need him here. Mm-hmm. And it was within three seconds, boom, he's, they, they were oh able to clear his lungs. He mm-hmm. roared to life, mm-hmm. but it was such an intense moment. And it was at that time found ourselves, I had just transitioned into a different job, right? And this was like, for like basically my first year at sales. Yeah, I'd been at Salesforce for a little bit of time. Um, and I'd love to say my cancer story ended there, but a year later, uh, we find out my father-in-law gets diagnosed with glioblastoma. And so uh, to the day he's kind of, Boom, we have them for another year. And the difference between kind of my experience of losing my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I'm a complete mama's boy, so no one should ever le- lose their mom, right? But, but the difference between working for a company there and then working for Salesforce at that time when my father-in-law got diagnosed and we go through the whole process of helping him through the final days of his life and realizing how everybody in the company said, drop what you're doing. Mm -hmm. We will support you. And remember supporting somebody when they're going through this doesn't just mean, here you go, go off and go do your thing. It's people step in and do the job that you're supposed to be doing. Like they are carrying the heavy water for you while you are gone. Mm-hmm. So there's no loss on me around the kind of sacrifice everybody made mm-hmm. in order for me to be able to be there and support my family. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment that I realized it's like, I want to work for companies that stand mm-hmm. for something, that have a culture that support people in this way through the toughest times, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that was, that was luckily the end of my cancer chapter, right? So we have self, we have cancer. And my final chapter is actually others, mm. right? Because it's like right as we welcome kids into the family, we also, I had been you know, kind of more of a, I had done the COO role and I'd been a leader before, but I'd gone into an individual contributor role for a while. And then mm. I had stepped into more of sales leadership roles and it was at that point in time that it was like, yeah, this is all about others. Mm-hmm. It's like as a parent, you're just, you have no, you know, like it's the, well, at least for me, it was the first time in my life where I was like, oh yeah, it's not about me anymore. Yeah. Right. And it was that kind of selflessness that also translated into a totally different approach for me, at least to leadership 
and mentorship that I hadn't had in the past when mm-hmm. I had led other groups, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was just a different leader that time around. And so and since then, it's all been about, yeah, others, right? And so uh, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. I, first of all, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the vulnerability and, and rawness um, and just... Uh, I'm sure that you've impacted more lives than you know telling that story. I I think that's something that a lot of people can keep close to the chest, but being uh, being strong enough to talk about it is amazing. So appreciate that. Thanks. I mean, I'm gonna get choked up here. Yeah. I mean, very much appreciate it. I I think you bring up a really good point. Is um, I encourage people to share their stories. Because the thing is, is I'll go share that story in front of an audience of 200 people. I'll go share it in an executive briefing center where it's just a CEO or the executive team. And we'll sit down and I will start with that. It's the vulnerability every single time gets returned with additional vulnerability. It's like an open invitation to say, let's actually, but first let's lay everything out on the table. Mm-hmm. let's connect at a human level mm-hmm. and then let's really try to solve your problems. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and yep. I think it's that kind of vulnerability. And so, and the other message is when I, when I do that is everybody has a story. Like that's the other piece that I've been completely humbled by yeah. is like my story is no more arduous or spectacular than anybody else's story. Mm-hmm. That's the amazing part is like, on the other side of the table, on every single time I've said that, somebody's come up to me and gone, can I tell you my story? Mm-hmm. And it always brings me to tears. I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Yes, right. so, I would agree with that. So yeah. I I will say that watching you come into Vertifor and just how you approach that entrance, right? It's always interesting. Like mm. how, do, how do people enter a new company? How, what do they prioritize? You can say a million things on a call. You can, like, what do they choose to say? Yeah. And while I think, um, you know, the selflessness aspect, there's a lot there around leadership. And I think those three chapters uh, speak to that. Your ability to be vulnerable, I, I've felt in the company, has really opened up. Um, I, it's just, it's a different uh, tone and... Uh, tempo that I think, uh, not that we haven't had, but just the the intensity of it almost, oh. right? Yeah. Um, and I and it's very special. And I think, I think it kind of, if I was to say like, okay, well, what would you, how would you describe Garrett's leadership in one word? That's probably the word I would use is vulnerability. And mm. and by the way, you have a lot of aspects to your leadership, so I'm not trying to pigeonhole you. No, don't. Um, I mean, that is a, the highest but, of compliments. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. I definitely appreciate it. So, um, so, so take me back to that time that you were at um, Salesforce specifically. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and was this the first run? This wasn't the first run at technology. You had been in technology. No, my whole before. career has been technology. So okay. I started in data warehousing when that was cool. Okay. And then, uh, so that was, that's where I started out as a trainer, then ran marketing, Mm -hmm. then ran our consulting organization, and then ended as COO. But it was just kind of like, 
by necessity climbing through the ranks. It was before I, I had a business undergrad, but I had not really put any, I was just flying by the seat of my pants, right? And so that's why I went back and got my MBA and said, I want to put like some formalized like thinking and training behind this. Okay, that makes sense. And there was true curiosity too. I feel like the other part of it is like, I could be a, I could be at school for the rest of my life. Like it's just like, I'm always so curious. About a sponge. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I had done that and I came out of that and that's where I had actually joined a startup in, that was my first startup and mm-hmm. series D it was, uh, internet of things before Ooh. it was called internet of things. Ooh. And we were trying to educate an entire market on embedded RFID uh, we got pretty close, Oof, but we're yeah. 10 years too early. Yeah. And that's normally how it goes with the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned a ton. I met some great leaders that have gone on and done amazing things. And have just, I've learned from so many people along the way. So I, that was amazing. But I also found myself um, kind of the writing was on the wall because it was too, late 2007 to 2008. Yeah. And my yeah, that's we're gonna do. Yeah, that's a ooh. Yeah, that's a tough. But that's where. Uh, so my spouse and I were like, "Look, let's sell everything we own, and travel light, and we're just gonna go travel the world for a year." Oh, and so you took you you stepped away from your professional career everything. for a year. Yeah, but then, I landed in Australia. That was the first place we landed. Oh, I didn't realize and we that found was jobs there. Australia. And we just boom, we we stayed there for the next two years. So oh. our best. Best, best or well-intentioned plans or whatever it is. Like we thought we were going to be, we had all this whole plan of going around the world and we ended up stopping in the first place we landed. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. So wait, why, why, just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. why, why did you say I'm going to give up the professional? I mean, that's a big move. The stability. The... Well, yeah, I, I think there were a lot of people that were early in their careers at that time. Uh, I had been part of the rat race. Mm. I had gone through this whole cancer thing, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I was still very much in that place where like questioning, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, and I was burnt out from the startup. Uh, and it was, the Great Recession was pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Like I think everybody needs to live through a recession to just know that like, yeah, you'll come out on the other side. It's mm-hmm. all, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but all of that was, you know, kind of forced me to say, is it all worth it? Or am I going to place a premium on experiences over, you know, kind of stuff and material? Yeah. And so that's what we did. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then post Australia was yeah. Salesforce. Yep. And, and right. why, why Salesforce and why, and you led. So for the, yeah. So for the startup that I was part of, mm-hmm. I was running both kind of branding and marketing, Mm -hmm. but I also was running sales operations Mm -hmm. and we were generating like 4,000 leads and I was handing them off to 10 salespeople, but no one ever followed up with them or did anything with them. And so I implemented really early on this obscure product called Salesforce. And before I was kind of like eight months into it, we're running all of our finances, all our marketing, all our sales, and even some of our back office on it. And so it's just like, oh, this is a really powerful product. Mm -hmm. So when I came back to the States, I found ourselves, we found ourselves in San Francisco and I was like, you know what? I want to work for a company 
that sells a great product and is really because I was I had been selling now for a while Mm -hmm. and I said I really want to work at a place where sales is the most important thing of the company it's like and that that is a recommendation I give to anybody starting their career is hey if you want to go get experience Mm -hmm. go to a company where the thing that you want to do is the most valued part of what that company does. So if you want to be in the engineering, you know, at the time I was like, go go work for Google, mm-hmm. right? If you want to be in marketing, Microsoft's phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? If you want to be in sales, like, and go get your sales MBA, mm-hmm. Salesforce was at that time was the place to do it. Interesting. So yeah. interesting. And then you you worked your way up to a leadership level where you actually led Salesforce into uh, the financial Yeah, so financial the way it worked, I, I, I'm not going to take all the credit for it. Okay, I'd love fair, to. Fair, I ran. Fair. No, no, no. So <laughs> I was an individual contributor. I think uh, at the time, we were just starting to verticalize. It was like this new concept. It's like, what would happen if we spoke the language of our customers, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. at the time, we were a horizontal technology. Mm-hmm. It was Salesforce automation and service. Mm-hmm. Like those were the two things that we did really, really well. And we said, well, wait a second, financial services, you know, uh, a banker calls, a, a, you know, their customer or client. If you're talking to a credit union, it's a member. If it's just the vernacular is different mm-hmm. of how they make money, mm-hmm. how they please the customer, meet the customer's needs, mm-hmm. right? All of that was new. Mm-hmm. And so we started by verticalizing around the language, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then our, our playbook was start with that, the metrics, the language, then seed the market with thought leadership and kind of a go-to-market and then match it with product once you've done those two things. Mm. And so we did that, we were really successful. I got promoted into a leadership uh, role there. Mm. Um, It was focused on like the commercial space, which was a really great space because it was like a mix between we were doing the largest enterprise deals in the company's history. But at the same time, we had all this run rate business. Mm -hmm. So it was like the machine of getting every month just doing it over and over and over again mm-hmm. and like creating that urgency mm-hmm. and true sales fundamentals, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so it was like this perfect spot. Uh, we did great. We, I got tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, can you go run that same play over in healthcare life sciences? Uh-huh. And so then I took okay. like kind of that model, like, yeah, we can go do this again. And so did that for years as a second and third line leader mm-hmm. over there mm-hmm. uh, and then bounced back to financial services again for a bit uh, before I then got um, tapped on the shoulder by uh, somebody I deeply respected uh, said, hey, why yes. don't you come over to C3? C3 yeah. AI. Yeah. So tell me a little bit. And, and I know just from the bit of research that I did, they're also CRM. But more of an enterprise level CRM. Yeah. There's some AI technology that's integrated. Tell me about the opportunity. Why'd you take it? What does this thing do? So this was remarkably, this was like only two years ago, but it was pre-chat GPT, right? Generative AI, which is all the rage. Right. right? Is there a world without chat GPT? Yeah, now? right. That doesn't Yeah. This was this was all about enterprise AI, right? And enterprise AI is distinct from Generative AI, 
mm-hmm. because it's really about predicting the future, right? Mm-hmm. Generative AI is about learning models and just looking through all of the stuff humanity's ever created and then kind of create something similar, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. New, new stuff that kind of is in the same vein mm-hmm. as that stuff that's already been created. Mm-hmm. So enterprise AI for businesses, what really matters is can you predict the future? Because mm-hmm. if you can predict the future, you can do things like predict maintenance. Mm. You can predict stockouts. You can predict like supply chain shocks. You can predict, um, you know, the holy grail would be, can you predict stock movements or mm. things like that? Mm-hmm. So that is order of magnitude more complex and challenging yeah, than no generative from yeah. that standpoint. Yeah. And yet that's been the holy grail. That's where everyone was focused mm-hmm. for a long time. And then generative AI is now kind of it's in the public zeitgeist, right? Yeah. But so C3 was very focused on uh, I'm kind of average deal size is probably anywhere from 20 to $40 million. So wow. these are like big Fortune 500 companies Oof. that are buying multi-year deals and they're, this is their, it's their AI, yep. BI intelligence, you know, business intelligence strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Is they're betting on the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's still very much like choose all these different products. What are you going to use for your ML models and your model operations? And who's going to be your hyperscaler? And how are you going to build your front end? And all of these are kind of like right now, now it's a cottage industry. Mm-hmm. And what C3AI did was pull those all together on a single platform so that you can design with best of breed tools and you could swap, hot swap those tools out when you mm-hmm. need to because it's still such a nascent uh, industry that a lot of these technologies are evolving like on a daily basis. But similar to, I think, some of the challenges that Vertifor is running into, yeah. which, which is... It leads me to my last question here. Why Vertifor? Like so, what- well, a couple of reasons, but uh, I have an incredibly soft spot in my heart for, for insurance. Mm-hmm. Like, I know insurance gets a bad rap, yeah. but uh, I think we were talking about it a little bit earlier, but I look back on my life and uh, we kind of grew up, I was one of five children. My mom was one of 14 kids. And so it was kind of this crazy scenario where I grew up and I remember McDonald's was like the fanciest meal I've ever gone to. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, if we were going to splurge, we were going out to McDonald's. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so I was not aware that I was, you, you know, that, um, or my parents did a really good job hiding from me kind of our economic situation. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I took on a lot of debt to go to college I then, once I got out of college, I bought a house. I was just, and I kept on taking more. I bought a car. So I had all this debt. And in the course of like a year and a half to two years, I was diagnosed with cancer. My car was totaled. Mm. And Mm. a forest fire up in Boulder came within like 100 yards of my house. And so I look back at like insurance Mm -hmm. and realize you know, insurance stepped in on two of those in a way that had I not had insurance, I would have had to make economic decisions that would have put me in a totally different trajectory in life. I would not be here today that is why it had exists. I not had insurance. A hundred percent. So yep. I'm kind of like the poster child for it, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and I love the idea 
that like I think fundamentally most people in this industry mm-hmm. get into it for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like they realize that society doesn't function without it. Mm-hmm. They realize they want to be there, especially the independent agent mm-hmm. wants to be there for uh they're insured when during the toughest, arguably the toughest times of their lives. Yep. And it takes a certain human, a certain superhero to do that, right? And I love that. So that was one of the draws, right? I had also been, uh, I got introduced to the leadership team here through uh, another CEO and the introduction I got to Amy was just amazing. She is a phenomenal leader. Mm. Just some like one of the best leaders I've ever had the pleasure of working with. So like I wanted to work for a strong female leader that just like was doing all the right stuff. So I got, you know, great industry, great leadership. Mm. And then I think the industry as a whole is really compelling. You've got a lot of unknowns, mm-hmm. got a lot of tech, like technological disruption going on. Yep. From what is traditionally like a pretty stodgy, mm-hmm. you know, kind of yeah, dinosaur, sleepy, right? But it's waking under. up. It has to innovate, yep. right? Yep. You've got it's also to a certain extent very um, resilient to economic swings, mm-hmm. right? And you've got some really interesting macro trends going on right now. Twofold, one being it's really hard to assess risk mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. right? And underwrite risk. So yep. there's a lot going on. And normally that means there's opportunity for disruption. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece that I think is really important is there's a lot of consolidation going on yeah. in the industry. So when you take all those trends, it's just a really interesting place to be. Mm-hmm. And I think a forward looking, innovative company. Mm-hmm that is willing to kind of like has grown with the industry, but is not sitting on its laurels and is not like becoming a dinosaur is actually trying to say, where can I cannibalize myself? Where do we have to grow up? How do we meet our customers where they're at and take them along, bring them along on an innovation journey? All that stuff is like, Really exciting. Yes, yes. And that, so joining about a year and a half ago, that's also what I realized. I started looking under the hood and it took four months of me to, to, you know, talk to people in different areas of the organization and really understand what was going on. Yeah. Because Vertifor... Not, Vertifor is well known in the industry, but I think what, what what's happening right now in the company is like the best kept secret. Yeah, and we're do to your point. Amy is an incredible leader, all about doing the work, right? Grinding it out, and not not a show show woman or showman or you yeah. know like and which is an, a remarkable characteristic, but also an opportunity for somebody who loves to tell a great story. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, coming coming in about a year and a half ago, I was floored at how much there is to talk about and tell uh, as far as Vertifor's story goes. And, and we're lucky to have you because I don't think we've done a phenomenal job of telling the right story, like the, the, the what is really happening, the true yes. story, yes. right? Like yes. there's so much to tell and we need a bigger microphone, mm-hmm. Agreed. right? 
Agreed. Agreed. So. And why I'm excited to have your energy and vision on board as well. Yeah. So. Oh, thanks. Yes. Yeah. Well, and there are a bunch of things that I've learned along the way about the industry, which were things that I didn't really like. So I told you all the reasons that brought me here, but like the surprises for me yeah. were first and foremost, like just the importance of relationships mm-hmm. in this industry. Very important. It's insane. Undeniable. Right? Undeniable. It is undeniable. It is the smallest, biggest industry. It is. It's crazy. And it's, you know, it's family run. And there's this really interesting inflection point going on where, uh, you know, grandparents are handing down the agency to their, you know, their offspring. Mm -hmm. And they have to. And you've got some people saying, okay, well, um, you know, these books of business are walking out the door. So how do I use technology mm-hmm. to make sure that we actually can keep that book? Mm-hmm. How do I do more with less? Mm-hmm. Like really cool questions. And but a lot, a lot of people that are like, whether or not they were always kind of technology first, mm-hmm. they're like forced to be technology first. Yes. Right? Yes. So it's, it's like this really cool thing. And then again, back to this relationships really matter. Yeah. Right. Like. I look at our standing in the industry mm-hmm. and one thing we've done on like, you know, name the competitors, right? Mm-hmm. But one thing we've just done a really good job of is like we back up what we say we're going to do. Yes. Right? Like, and that is hard to do. Yes. It, it is. Well, the I, reputation is earned over many years, which is like, is. which is, which is not common for tech companies we all have like fears of tech companies because they're like five years old and that's it boom they can disappear Mm -hmm. tomorrow Mm -hmm. like no we've had a 40-year history Mm -hmm. going back to punch cards for crying out loud and doing right by the industry the entire time yeah and i think too there's a high burden uh around you know telling the right story as Mm. well you know um and this goes back to Amy's leadership style, which is really focused on, hey, we're just going to do the work and let the work speak for itself. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of over-promising. There's not mm. a lot of, uh, cut, you know, conf- conflation of, well, ambiguousness, right? Like, what is going on under the hood? Um, there's people here who want to figure out and solve real problems. And does it take time? Yes. And do yeah. we get it right every time? Uh, no. Is it perfect? No. But there's a lot of people who are figuring it out and coming back to the table every day with new solutions. And yeah. that's that's the type of team you want to be on. So, so I think the thing that we're trying to grapple with, and I think it's important as we move forward, is this idea of remaining humble, mm-hmm. which we've always been. Because mm-hmm. there's some authenticity. There's a true like putting the customer's needs first and like making sure they're successful. Yep. Right. And that plays out like in the relationships we've had for years. Right. Yeah. Uh, with like a just giving ourselves the confidence to just say, though, yeah, we're the best. Mm-hmm. Like not in a bad, arrogant way, but like customers who are on Vertifor win. Yes. Like they succeed. Yes. And. Yes. We can feel confident about that. Whether or not it's a hundred of the top 100 brokers use Vertifor, like we aren't out there saying these things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't get credit for all the like 
great things that we do. And I guess I'm not worried about the credit per se, but I'm worried that when other people own the narrative, which I think does us a disservice, but more importantly, does our customers a disservice. Mm -hmm. Like those leaders out there that are making the Vertifor decision are making a great decision. And not only are they the reason we're successful in the first place, Mm -hmm. right? But we need to celebrate them and make sure that they are like, I made the right decision every day. And we validate that and honor that every day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Well, and especially at a time when technology is the competitive advantage. Mm. Right? It it may and it and it hasn't always been for the independent channel. But if you look at what's gonna take the independent model, which has been around for four hundred years, another hundred years it's is is you know lobbying and, and policy work absolutely necessary right but to me make or break is the technology yeah right? we, we if you take an agent against any other type of district you know insurance distribution an agent that has an agent that hasn't technology right it, I, I worry about that agency that hasn't adopted and hasn't modernized yeah. and hasn't truly digitally transformed less worried about the one that you know, has. So I agreed that there is a, there is a, there is a new uh, wave of story coming from Vertifor. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. say Vertifor 2.0 because there's um, probably a, a number of storytellers before <laughs> me. So we'll say it's 3.0 or There 4.0 you go. There you go. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. I, um, I think it was interesting because when we were speaking to the insurance industry at Salesforce, like part of what yeah. we were doing is, you know, they're coming for your jobs. They're coming for everything. It's a little bit of that mm-hmm. hyperbole that you see with uh, AI right now. But mm-hmm. we were talking about it like from a fintech and insure tech standpoint. Yeah. And, and these were companies that were coming in and it's like, and no knock on Lemonade or any of those companies, but they were yeah. just out there saying, that's it. That's the future. It's all going to be that way. You're going to be able to buy insurance, get it serviced, do everything through your phone, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Without regard for the fact that it's like, yeah, but maybe people don't want it that way. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a lot more complex an industry that's highly regulated and mm-hmm. nuanced and so forth. And what I think I, I love about what, Vertifor has been able to do is like InsureTech's actually the companies that have figured out the hard stuff mm-hmm. and are nimble enough to pull in the good ideas that rise to the top mm-hmm. through some of this, mm-hmm. right? Because if you look at a lot of those early InsureTech companies from the late, you know, or, or mid-teens, mm-hmm. right? They are, the ones that went public, they're they're like Straight their stocks. Their stocks are trading at like yeah negative ninety five percent. It's it's rough. Yeah. Right, and and not that they they weren't great ideas. Right. It's just the real technology are the things like you have to solve the hard problems. Right. And that is something the AMS has done for a very long time. It took a while to do that, and we see that in other regulated industries as well, mm-hmm. like. Um, so really, it's more about, can you pick a partner, a technology and innovation partner that will keep on pushing the boundaries mm-hmm. and keep on innovating on your behalf, mm-hmm. but 
isn't necessarily a fly, you know, fly by night kind of operation. Yep. And it's answered the hard stuff first. Yep. Because it allows you to be nimble. And I think we've, well, you and I have chatted about this before, but our ownership structure allows us to do that in a way that other companies Thank in the industry can't that up. Yep. at all. Yep. Yep. So, and it's a story that I think is hard to tell uh, because not everybody, not everybody's paying attention to, yeah, you know, the acquisitions and this, you know, company's life cycle on that side of things. But that acquisition by Roper was a huge transition. Uh, you know, Amy making that decision, and and you know, it's one thing to get up on stage and say, well, I hope that when this acquisition goes through, there's going to be you know, freedom and a wealth of innovation on the other side. Right. Now we're two, three years into it and yeah. and they have stuck by their their promises and their word. Yeah. And they have given product a lot of freedom and support to take the tech where they should, which is that's important. That's I, important. I think it is. I mean look, this is an industry, it's a mature industry. And so inevitably you have a lot of private equity money in it, right? Mm-hmm. Private equity is they have different goals, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of that, they want to extract, they, they need to get a return on their investment, right? Mm-hmm. And so they look at it at different ways of creating value or capturing value, mm-hmm. right? Probably over-indexing on the latter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, conversely, if you take a look at Roper, it's like our forever home, right? So the difference with that is they want to see us grow. They want to see us succeed. And because it's a publicly traded company, so we are, you know, the 15th largest software company in the world. Mm-hmm. How? Well, we have a long-term view. We're willing to make investments in the technology and the, you know, the steps to take us forward, which means we also can go deep on acquisitions if, mm-hmm. if necessary. Mm-hmm. So it gives us a lot of flexibility and nimbleness that aligns with where the industry's going. And it's like, not only have we found our forever home, I look at our customers and say, allow me every day to earn the privilege of being your forever home. Yeah. Right? Yep. And let me never forget it. Yep. Then I'm constantly <laughs> well, they, earning that. They, insurance right? agents won't let you forget that, that's it. That's so. exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> They'll deliver on that. Yeah. Um, I love it. Gareth, thank you for of sharing a little bit about your journey yeah. uh, coming here and your leadership approach, uh, which, you know, in the last few weeks and months, I think has already started to chip away at change inside the company in a, in a really positive and impactful way. Um, I don't want to ask about your vision yet because... You guys have to come back in, well, you have to come back next week. So make sure you go to YouTube, (laughs) hit subscribe, or follow us on your favorite podcast platform. But you also have to come back and hear more from Gareth in a few months when he's gotten his feet really well entrenched and uh, can talk through putting in place the vision that he has and the excitement that he has for the future in great detail, which I'm very excited about. Absolutely. I'll take you up on the offer for sure. All right. Done. You heard it here first. All All right. right. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah. All right, guys. Like I said, go to YouTube, hit subscribe. If you haven't yet, follow us for more weekly episodes or uh, make sure you find us on your favorite podcast platform. And with that, we'll see you next week.